listening to the Unfree Parent Podcast, episode 035. You're seen to chat about life, family, and of course, Umphrey's McGee. I'm your host, Sarah Jahimiak, writer, journalist, author, first solo female podcast host in the jam music scene, mom of three, wife, and total Umphrey. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the pod. I hope that everyone that traveled to Milwaukee returned home safe and sound. And seriously, anyone who is dealing with this awfully cold ass snowy weather right now is staying warm and being safe. We, where I am, um, just north of Buffalo, haven't had too much snow, um, snowy enough, but it hasn't been terrible. We're supposed to be getting some more snow tonight into tomorrow, but it is cold as fuck. Like, it's ridiculous. I know people in, like, Michigan and Illinois, um, it's been, like, insanely cold there, too. So, hopefully everybody is just keeping warm. I'm already dreaming about the summer and the sunshine, not having to shovel anymore, and summer shows for sure. Um, Hopefully you had a chance to check out last week's episode, a recap of what the band has played so far in 2019 prior to these two nights in Milwaukee. I still have not found a recording of the VIP set from Cincinnati to listen back to, but The show from night one of Jam Cruise did pop up, so I did just want to give a quick honorable mention to the FF from that show. That was definitely the highlight for me when I listened back, and I did throw that one on my Hall of Fame list. And also, this Ocean Billy is a must-listen. I especially like the beginning, the build-up into the song, and that Wappy is also quite delicious, too. I definitely recommend you give that a listen. Real quick, before we head into the meat of this episode, I did want to mention, if you did not know, Umphreys is heading back to Aspen. They last played there three nights last year at the Belly Up, March 7th, 8th, and 9th. This year, they will play two nights at that same venue on April 3rd and 4th. The Belly Up is a place Umphreys has played 17 times. It is a super intimate venue, the capacity being like 450 um, for a standing event. It's less than that um, if they do the seats and stuff in there. Always a throwdown when they're playing there. Then on April 5th, they will be co-headlining with the String Cheese Incident at the new Apres Festival. I hope that they... uh, I pronounced that correct. And that is held at the base of Buttermilk Mountain. I know nothing about skiing. I'm not into skiing at all. But that still sounds really, really amazing. Of course, UMVIP has got you hooked up for the two Aspen shows if that is how you roll. VIP packages and tickets are on sale by the time of this airing. Public on sale was February 1st. Honestly, the packages, the tickets might be sold out by the time that this airs. Like I said, it's a super intimate venue, so I would not at all be surprised. But if not, I will link all of the information in the show notes. You can check it out, hopefully get some tickets. 
Unfortunately, I will not be able to attend these shows, but in 2020, Aspen is 100% happening for my husband and I. I absolutely must experience Belly Up. They have webcast these shows in the past, so hopefully we will get the chance to rage along with everybody that is there. And like I said, I will put all of the information for this run in the show notes, and I will actually uh, link the last three-night run from last year in the show notes so you can listen to that because every time they play there, it's always amazing. So let's dive into this week's episode all about the two nights at the Riverside Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The band has played at this venue a total of 14 times, including this two-night run right here, doing two nights right from the get-go at this venue when they played it the first time in 2012, October 26th and 27th. They also did two Halloween runs at this venue, October 31st, November 1st, and November 2nd in 2013 and October 29th, 30th, and 31st in 2015. The last three-night run was in 2017, March 30th, 31st, and April 1st. So there's definitely some history at this venue for them. They have been playing Milwaukee, however, since way back in 1999, obviously because of it only being about two hours or so from Chicago, and I think like three hours or so from South Bend. So obviously the vicinity um, of those two cities are the reason why they've been playing there for so long. Um, This venue is totally on my bucket list for my husband and I. Um, I've heard so many wonderful things about this venue from people that have seen a bunch of different shows there other than Umphreys, um, but they obviously throw down and love this room as well. I would love to visit Milwaukee as well. I heard that it's a very cool city. So maybe in 2020, the room seriously is so beautiful. And there are some amazing photos from Tara Grazer, of course, Abby Fox. And I think there's two other photographers that I saw pictures from. I can't remember their names, but I will link all of the photographers in the show notes so that you can take a look at all their pictures. Okay. Night one, January 28th, opens with a cover of the Ween song, It's Gonna Be a Long Night, only performed one other time, February 17th, 2008, at the Fillmore in San Francisco, 1,149 shows ago, sliding right into All in Time, that drops into improv a little before two and a half in, continuing on with its journey, and will remain unfinished for now, instead heading into Spires. This recently saw play in Richmond earlier in the month as well. I'm not complaining because I love all of the tunes from Mantis, which, by the way, had its 10th birthday on the 20th of January. So happy birthday to Mantis. Thank you so much for being an absolutely amazing album and seeing me through so much in my life over the past 10 years. Such an amazing album. We all can agree with that. I would love to see some other songs from this album to be played this year. Definitely, definitely would love a really fatty red tape. So keeping my fingers crossed for that sometime in 2019. 
Uh, Night Nurse comes up next, which for me personally was the highlight for the first set. Hard to say if it was for the whole show because the second set that we're going to talk about is just, wow. (laughs) This Night Nurse I've included on my Hall of Fame list is just absolutely fire. Dropping deep into the bowels of improv right before two minutes in. And this version, which also features a tease of Rocket by Herbie Hancock, descends on this out-of-this-world jam adventure. And I have personally listened to this so many times. I am all about this song anytime they play it. And actually, my favorite version so far is from summer camp last year during the VIP set. This one is up there though. I mean, it just, I just love night nurse. I don't know what to say. Andy and Chris taking the spotlight about nine minutes in and carrying it into in the kitchen. This one has a beginning that kind of heads down the path of improv a little before four minutes in continuing on with a monster jam odyssey that at one point opens up to this beautiful soaring uplifting jam that spreads and expands about seven minutes in and it just continues to soar transitioning only about a minute later into a dance party and then pivots and gains more authority to settle into another section of the jam tumbling into the ending of the song which they do finish here before going into Susanna next, which I believe is actually a 30 dB song. Pretty sure about that. Um, Bayless mentions uh, some guy, Jason, wanting to ask his girlfriend, Rachel, something, obviously a proposal. Thankfully, she did say yes. And Umphreys did share a photo of the special moment taken by Abby Fox on their Twitter And it was very, very cute. This song has been played as a full band a total of 24 times. Brendan and Jake have played this one five times. The last time this one saw the full band treatment was 98 shows ago on December 29th, 2017. Uh, Intentions Clear comes up next that falls down the rabbit hole of improv about four and a half in then stomping triumphantly along, bringing the jam down after 11 minutes, let it dance around a little bit before revving it up and smacking right into the big, wonderful, romantic, and emotional ending of All in Time to close out that first set. This whole second set is honestly out of this world. As I was watching from home, the show was streamed on tour gigs, if you did not know. I just kept thinking, oh yeah, this is definitely a highlight. And then they would play the next song and the next song, and I would just keep thinking the same thing. If I am feeling this way, watching at home and listening back to it in my living room, I can only imagine the energy in that room during the second set. This, if you... I mean, you should listen to both of these nights, absolutely, because night two is amazing as well. But this second set of night one is is just really where it's at. This one opens with hindsight, a Jake tune that 
still is growing on me. And with the way that this one went, I'm really looking at this one a whole new light. Just coming in so strong and hard. Getting grimy as hell. Three minutes in as it just begins to rock so hard. And it makes me laugh because my friends and I were just joking about Jake faces that we make when we are listening to Umphrey's music and we're just raging out like when we're driving in the car or, you know, just at home or whatever. And I never realized how much I actually do it until we started talking about it. And I totally caught myself doing it when I was listening to this song, especially this dirty ass part of the jam it begins to kind of take this life and sort of sound like a tool song to me at this one part, not heading into a cover or anything at all, but continuing to grow this dank monster and Jake adding a little extra vocal here before stepping back into hindsight. Just wow. (laughs) I love everything about this. And I did add this one to my Hall of Fame list too, mostly because I want to keep an eye on this one this year. I really feel that the way this one is going to expand and grow and morph is just just going to become this big monster. I'm so excited. Breaker coming in next. Yes, yes, yes. So much yes to this one. I am unbelievably excited that this one is seeing play again so soon. There is no doubt some big things that are coming for this song in 2019. And if you did not know, this one debuted during quarter one, actually to open quarter one, at Umble 7 in Las Vegas on May 6th, 2016. I do chat a little bit more about that in last week's episode, the history of the song. So if you want to listen back to that, I will link it in the show notes. The jam really lifts off about four and a half minutes in and soars along, heading back into the lyrics and then floating back into the jam. I really, really, really hope that this one is here to stay. I am probably way more excited than I should be about watching this song in the coming year. So excited. I just, I'm totally in love with this song now. I'm so glad they brought it back. (laughs) Um, This one I'm hoping to catch this year. I, like I said before, I go into shows with zero expectations because, I mean, we always get what we need, obviously. But this one I would really like to catch live. Very possible that that will happen with my summer plans, including summer camp and Red Rock. So we will have to see. A huge fatty Hurtbird bath next, which features Jake on keys. The jam going right all in before four minutes. Sounding like a futuristic thriller movie during a techno dance party scene. Which, when I say that out loud, it sounds like it would not make any sense at all. But it sounds absolutely amazing. (laughs) 
you can just hear everyone firing on all cylinders during this jam. It's really, you need to listen to this Hurtbird bath. I did throw this one on my Hall of Fame list as well. Said They set it down to cool off for a minute, slowly building this and creeping along out of this jam to slowly break back into the song and then just exploding in full force. Then taking it on a completely different path with this jam in the second half of the song, getting really dirty and grimy again about 12 minutes in, and then it just grows and grows and grows until it just slides right out of the jam and back into her bird bath again. Really, this one is just, wow. <laughs> like, it's one of those songs that when it's over, you're just, like, standing there like, holy shit. Like, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> Uh, Push the Pig coming up next, and I did not mention before, if you did not realize, that this set is only five songs. Them just completely slaying these five songs. Just the energy, especially the very ending of this Push the Pig, I can tell, and I'm just listening to it, like I said, I can only imagine the energy in that room during this second set. They take this beast of a second set and decide to add a little bit more and head into a full mantis with a hard start, meaning there was no preamble that came before it. This one was also, as I mentioned, a full mantis, meaning that it was not split into two parts, but instead kept as its big, beautiful self. While I do love when they split this song up, you know, play the ending part later in the set, or perhaps put something like a cover or something in the middle, I do like it when they keep it as a whole. It's just such a beautiful song, and I love when they do play it all together. Before heading into the encore, a little shout out to my girl Casey for her 108th show. Hell yes, girl. Freaking love you so much. Also, shout out to my girl Aliana, who celebrated her 108th show that evening too. You ladies fucking rock. I love you. Uh, they go into Young Lust by Pink Floyd, which ironically earlier in the day, my husband and I were listening to the Wall album, and I said, oh, I love when Umphreys covers this. That'd be so sweet if they played this tonight. And then they totally did. <laughs> uh, we were watching the webcast, and my husband, when they go into it, he just looks at me and shakes his head. And it's just like, I, I just can't even believe you right now. <laughs> this Floyd cover has been done by the band a total of 39 times. The ending of this, noted as weird on the set list, includes Jake doing the ending of the song that you hear on the album with the phone call not being connected. If you're familiar with Pink Floyd and this album, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, Jake does that at the end. And I like the addition. I, I love that part of it. It's very cool that they, they did that. Taking this and going way out into outer space with this end part of it, rotating and floating around 
before collecting itself and going into the always beautiful glory to close out the first night in Milwaukee. This first night was seriously something else, but night two is still to come. I will put where you can listen to the show as well as where you can check out the set list in the show notes. I highly recommend that you at least give this second set a listen. Of course, you should listen to both nights of this, but this second set is fire. January 26th, during the day, featured a VIP set for those that purchased the VIP package for the weekend. There has not been a recording of this one that has popped up yet, but I do have a set list, and that would be. It doesn't matter. I really, really, really hope that a recording of this pops up because I love hearing the different adventures that this song goes on. Ride on Pony, last played in August in Miami. Yoga Pants, this one seeing a 64 show gap. Last time played March 8th, 2018. This song that has only been played 14 times and, if I remember correctly, was originally titled White Pickle, which saw its last play April 8th, 2014, with Yoga Pants seeing its debut on June 4th, 2014. And Robot World and Roctopus to close out that VIP set. And if this one pops up, I will be sure to throw the link of where you can listen to it in the show notes so you can check it out. Okay, so that brings us to the show the evening of the 26th. This one opens with No Crying in Mexico that goes right into Divisions. I feel totally setting the tone for the evening. I love this song so much, and honestly, every time that I hear it, it always takes me back to when I first heard this, and I thought about this, and this could very well be one of the very first Umphrey songs that I heard, and it just takes me back to that time in my life, how much of like a a baby I felt almost compared to where I am right now in life. And, you know, just to think how much, you know, during the time, the 12 years that I've been into Umphreys, you know, how I've heard that song throughout those 12 years and how my life has changed. It's so cool to have that happen with any music, but that happens a lot, especially with Umphreys because of how long, you know, I've been listening to them. And of course, the way that Bayla sings the song, there actually is a photo that Tara Grazer took during this song. And if you have nugs, when you go on to listen to this, that photo of Bayless is the one that I'm talking about. Everything, you know, the feelings that I get when I see that picture, you know, it just takes me right to, you know, having the moments of hearing divisions and in person, you know, when I see that picture. If you don't have nugs, I will definitely try to link that in the show notes because you definitely need to see it. It's a very awesome photo. Jake just destroying this as well. They let it fall about four minutes where it starts to change and gain this energy. Excuse me, my throat is just the worst. My kids are sharing their cold with me. They're so 
so thoughtful. Um, this jam just explodes as it continues on. Honestly, a really hell of a way to start this show. Bayless has his beautiful solo before they start to cool this off, leaving this division's unfinished and heading in to make it right. Love that tune, too. Featuring an out-of-this-world dueling of the guitars between Brennan and Jake, about five minutes. One of those things that just makes me smile, the biggest smile ever, even when I'm listening to it at home. Bad Friday up next with Marcus King from the Marcus King Band, who opened for them both of these nights. I will be very honest here. While it was very, very cool, the part with Marcus King and Jake that starts to take flight about three and a half minutes in with Marcus taking the lead and then Jake coming in, the two of them just ripping it for about five minutes. Like I said, it was very, very awesome to watch on the webcast and then to listen back to, and I suggest you sh- that you should listen to it if you have not. I'm just honestly surprised in the choice of song that they had him out to play on. I feel that there are so many other songs in the Umphreys catalog or even covers that I feel would have been better. And honestly, I was also surprised that he was only out for one song. I thought that after this Bad Friday that they would keep him out for one more and play a cover, but they did not. Like I said... It's still an amazing version of Bad Friday. Marcus and Jake absolutely rip it. It's very cool to watch those two guitar players feed off of each other and, you know, build this music. However, like I said, I feel like the song choice was a little off, I guess. Um, Yeah, so then an always Beast 2x2 heading into this wonderful jam about seven minutes in and just dancing along, bathing everyone with just this happiness coming from this music until it pivots and begins to go a different way about 12 minutes in, getting this completely different vibe to it before stomping into the end of the song with the light breaking through with the bold and expansive Bela solo that carries them out of this song. Coming in from the cold, originally done by Bob Marley, a 1,880 show gap. That's just insanity. Last time played October 9th, 2002 at Ziggy's in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. A few random facts about this one. This is the first time with Chris on drums. And the last person to sing this was actually Mike Miro. Bayless has done this during a solo poolside set at holidays uh either 2017 or 2016 i'm not totally uh confident in the year that that happened so i could be totally off but he did do it as a solo poolside set song but it has not seen full band treatment since that 2002 show i will look around and see if i can find it and if i do i will put that show in the show notes Professor Wormbog with what is listed as the turbo version for the reprise at the end. Joel holding on to it at the end of the song to head into divisions to close out the first set. 
We get the second set ready to go with Bayless's little dude yelling rock and roll Milwaukee to the crowd before everything starts. I think that's absolutely adorable, and I'm sure that's very awesome for that little kid to get the reaction he does from the crowd. The band building up to start off with an aggressive 1348 that heads into improv about four minutes in and continues to chug along, heading right into a dance party about ten and a half in, but it does not continue that path. It changes about a minute later, seems a little distorted for a minute before deciding to head into a dance party again to see this song go unfinished and instead head into the silent type. Interesting fun fact again, All Things Umphreys mentions the tease Jake is doing at 5 minutes 30 seconds is Don't Stand So Close to Me by the Police, when in fact, Joel on Twitter said he asked Jake, who said that he was in fact teasing Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, the part of the song where it goes, I want my, I want my, I want my MTV. I honestly thought that when they were playing it, it was the police song. But now that I know the truth and I've listened back, of course, I totally hear it differently. And when you listen back, you will hear that now too. I love the sexiness of this jam. A little before four and a half in, Bayless coming in at five minutes to add to the romance. They build this jam way up and then slam it back into the silent type. They have made this song so, so huge. That energy after they've done this jam and they slam it back into the silent type. Just that energy that you're feeling anyways. But then, you know, everybody when you're in the in the crowd and you're hearing this song live and everybody is just dancing so hard. I love what they have built this song into. Prowler coming in next with a little Imperial Death March tease from Star Wars by Jake. Then this seriously nasty fuzz. This one I added to my Hall of Fame list. It starts to get deep into its jam journey about five minutes in with Joel taking the reins, settling it in a little before seven minutes, and then switching gears toward the end to get a little ominous as they build up the anticipation to head into the floor. The Just, of course, the drama that comes with that tune. Next comes this humongous utopian, this eclectic beast coming in a little over 20 minutes, features a bomb track jam from Rage Against the Machine. Chris just slaying this, of course. Jake coming in to play the drums with Chris at one point, and according to All Things Umphreys, a jam with the New Deal song Home, but I am unfamiliar with that tune, so I'm not totally aware of when that happens. Umphreys has covered Bomb Track by Rage in its entirety three times. Last time was December 30th, 2016 at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. I was actually at that show, and it was fucking sick. Chris is amazing for this. His energy, I mean, he was up there and just, ugh, the energy and his voice and it was totally perfect for him. 
And I'm going to actually make sure to link that show in the show notes so you can listen to it. And I'm, I know there's YouTube video of this too. So I'm going to search that out and definitely put that in the show notes too. The jam heading into a feel-good 80s rock and roll roller skating vibe about four minutes and continues on about nine minutes in is when Jake comes over to have a little fun with Chris. Very cool to watch that at home, and I'm sure live it was very awesome as well. And I'm going to assume that the New Deal song coming in somewhere close to this 11-minute mark Like I said, I'm not familiar with their stuff, so I could be wrong, but that is my assumption. They bring the ending of this down, sounding whimsical, kind of like skip dancing along, seamlessly going into Kula, then the end of 1348 to close out the second set. Encore was Making Flippy Floppy, originally done by the Talking Heads, covered by Umphreys a total of 74 times. This version featuring two teases, One Nation Under Groove by Funkadelic and Hey Sue, Joy of Man's Desiring by Bach. The Talking Heads and this song specifically is just so great for them to cover. There's so much room for them to grow and expand a jam in this one. Stasic getting funky about three minutes in, then comes that Bach tease. And then we get some Chris and Andy action a little bit before five minutes. They kill it for a little bit before the rest of the band comes in to begin the journey back into the song. And then they venture off into one more jam before closing out this amazing show. I will put a link to where you can listen to this show as well as where you can check out the set list in the show notes. And there you have it, folks. This week's episode of the pod, anything that I reference throughout the show can be found in the show notes, and I encourage you to check out the show's website. That information is in the show's notes as well. There is a blog on the site, advertising information, where you can find any info about upcoming meetups, and one convenient place where you can find all of the pod episodes from the very beginning. Any questions or comments about anything feel free to reach out. I love hearing from you guys and learning anything new about Umphreys or even podcasting. I am super new to this and still learning as I go. So always looking for advice. And thank you so much for joining me. I will see you around these parts next week. Much obliged.